Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 48th episode, and today we'll be discussing Rocksteady's new game, Is Everything Wrong with Modern Gaming? Netflix's Avatar is dead on arrival, and more proof of New York's decline. So we're going to get right into it with the most recent game from Rocksteady, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, is looking to be hot garbage. Now, the game officially releases tomorrow, February 2nd, 2024, if I am correct, but there's been this early access period um, going on for a while. This is a thing quite a few games has done where you pay um, extra money and you get the golden edition or the digital deluxe edition or whatever hogwash they call it. Uh, You get to play the game three days a week, however much early and people were doing that and the game was broken you would log into the game this is a like a single player game that has a live service always online uh you have to <laughs> connect to the servers to play this freaking single player game and you would log in and then you would get uh, an automatic game complete so they had to take the servers down so if you paid to get early access to the game um it was so broken on launch that rocksteady couldn't execute on giving you that uh something that you paid more than the, I think, $70 price tag um, for to have that. And this is really the bigger problem I have with the modern gaming industry is that it's games as a service, it's release it broken and then fix it with patches, release a game with half the content it should have, and then say, we're going to have a roadmap and then release the rest of the game in like a year and some change from that one. Everyone who's you know, bought the game, had release day, has already said, hey, I played it, it's a broken, shitty, buggy mess, and I'm checking out, uh, and then by the time it's worth playing, you have this bad taste in your mouth that you just can't get out of your mouth, and you don't want to go back and play it, and this is, again, what I have a bigger issue with, with Rocksteady, and the whole gaming industry in general is all these bad business practices that they're doing, and then you add on top of that, you've got the content problems that, uh, are very evident in terms of the creative decisions that Rocksteady has made with releasing this game. You have the way, you know, Batman is killed. You have Lex Luthor's files mentioning uh, toxic masculinity as a, a problem that the Amazonians have eliminated in Themyscira and uh, shitting on Green Lantern as well. You know, all, all these sorts of things, these content issues coming from a very leftist mind view and that being pushed onto the player and then you know you got the character designs and you've got the fact that they're using the Arkhamverse the um foundation that legacy that those from three I guess technically four uh you've got Arkham Asylum City Origins and Night those four games that's the Arkhamverse that gamers love people love people love that and basically just using that to say hey it's taking place in the Arkhamverse buy it uh, and then basically uh, shitting on it. You have less work to do. You can get to sell more. You get to do all this nonsense. But I I am just saying that you know the content issues are only part of the problem with this game. It's more it being a buggy mess. It's using um, you know the source material and having absolutely no respect for it um, as well, just to um, sell copies and just to get uh, this oh kind of um 
I, I guess, cathartic release of um, being able to update <laughs> stuff for modern ori- audiences or push the message in entertainment or whatever freaking hogwash is going on inside of all these studios. So I think Rocksteady's based in London, but you f- go and you find all these studios are based in big cities like Los Angeles, New York, um, all these uh, big cities that are very liberal. They hire these um leftist people and you get stuff like this so not only are the people um, all down with the cause uh the corporates are also down with the cause to increase the esg scores because the boards are the type of people who you know they sit in boardrooms and they uh um, make deals about who who needs to call who racist to make the amount, mo- most amount of money um that quarter and all trickles down so it's um top down and bottom up it's meant to be like this, or, or they want it to be like this, and this is the end result. You get a game like Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, that uh, can't even work properly for the early access you pay extra for, has all these content problems, doesn't respect source material. Uh, you've got a beloved character whose last voice acting performance by Kevin Conroy has... No respect paid to the character. Definitely not to the degree it should have been considering that it is his last performance. And yeah, sure, they didn't know and all these sorts of things. But it's just, if you wanted to make a game like this, you could have made it take place in a completely alternate timeline with a completely different Justice League and Batman and all those sorts of things. But they made it take place in the Arkhamverse because people love the Arkham games and they're using that, that legacy of Batman and those Arkham games to push sales and also it's just to cathartically destroy something that people love as well i think there there's part of the uh influence there as well but i've ranted enough about this uh video game we're going to move on to a television show so this article is from bounding into comics and uh, i just need to pull it up here and the headline is netflix's avatar the last airbender star uh, Kia Wentio reveals a live action series took out the element of how sexist Sokka was. Now, I'm not sure if you know about Avatar The Last Airbender. This is a show that was perfect for my age. I was like six years old when the show first um, launched, when the pilot aired on Nickelodeon, and I watched the entire uh, thing through. I didn't watch it week to week. I think when the show was ending, they did this marathon run of uh, the entire show, and I caught up there, and I watched the the ending that way, and this was back in, like, 2008, and I also watched the last live-action a- a- live adaptation of Avatar in theaters, M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender Moving Hot Garbage, and I do think this Netflix show will be slightly better than that, uh, because if you've got more time to expand on the story, you've got people who, I would say, probably care about it slightly more, uh, there, there's a there's a great example of what not to do uh, in terms of a live action avatar that they can go and follow and reference and basically not do those things. But uh, do I have faith that this is going to be something that's good? Uh, no. I if I want to watch um, the Last Airbender, I've got the entire series on Blu-ray. I will just do that, and that is the uh, better thing because they are not respecting the source material so if you aren't going to take this show and do a shot for shot remake but in live action and and preserve the intent tone script as much as you possibly can 
uh, then there really isn't any point in doing it. And there's no point in doing this at all because I love animation as an art form. I think this is a show that worked so well in anime with you know the 2D animated style that it was in with terms of how uh, expressive the characters were, how um, everything looked, all the music. It all blended and molded, melded so perfectly together. It was really lightning in a bottle, those first three seasons, probably. Uh, just one of the best stories to ever be told, I guess ever, but I'm, I'm a bit biased. But we'll get into the article here, and it's basically saying that, uh, let's see... <laughs> Uh, you know, want to make sure that Sokka's funny says that, but uh, there's, uh, you know, things that were redirected because it might play a little differently in live action, and I think the, the biggest thing was that it's um, very much not to offend the female demographic, this is more or less to just say, like, hey, this, you know, stuff in the original show was very questionable, so we can't possibly do that, uh, so it's just... A bit ridiculous to me. And if you look at the character of Sokka, this is a, a 15-year-old boy whose father was, or was, was the leader of a, uh, basically like an Inuit tribe in, uh, this, you know, the South Pole of this world. And the, he and all the other men of his tribe, they go off to war and Sokka's the lone um, male because he was too young to go to war at the time. So he wants to be, you know, a, a boy that wants to be a man. And that show is, you know, him a boy learning to be a man and you know he has these you know things where you know he, he's a bit sexist he's a bit chauvinistic but he grows and matures as a character and he's never misogynistic in a way he does love and respect his sister he just learns how to express it and that's how it all happens and you know with this episode the warriors of kiyoshi where you know Sokka's like it's just a natural order of things that you know girls pick dance and guys hunt and you know fight and all all those sorts of things uh and then he goes to kiyoshi island and he sees these um women warriors and he gets his ass handed to him and then there's this whole thing where he has this change of worldview he develops as a character and if he doesn't act like that in the first place there's no character development that that can happen right so this is the point of telling a good story so you need to have character development so not every character is going to be perfect and not going to step on people's toes or not going to say things that can't be um unoffensive to everybody but you know you have to sanitize everything you have to make everything uh acceptable to modern audiences instead of telling a genuinely good story with interesting characters with dynamics that make sense because in the show Sokka's a 15 year old boy who acts like a 15 year old boy and he matures into a man especially uh, by the end of the third season where it's very clear that even though he does feel useless because you know he's not uh, a bender this is a show where you can basically use the elements air water earth and fire or a select people uh, amount of people can to manipulate things and Sokka's one of these people who can he just has a boomerang uh, and uh, other, you know, kind of kind of weapons like that that take after, I guess, um, you know, Inuit tribal, um, you know, what what they what they use uh, to um, you know fight and hunt is what he his um, I guess arsenal takes after. He's got the boomerang. He's got like I think bullets or stuff like that. I can't remember exactly, but. He, you know, legitimately feels like, well, I'm not as good as everybody else. And he you know, trains, gets a, a sword. This is a third season. I'm, I'm all over the place. But in that episode, when he's gone, it's, um, everyone else is like, you know, I can't read maps and do all, all these sorts of things that he would do. So he was definitely a, a very useful character. He's a very good character. And he's more than comic relief. 
Although a lot of his function in the show is comic relief, and he does that very well. And which is why, <laughs> again, I am very, all that concerned. I, I don't think um, if we're saying stuff like this, where it's like we have to make the show not sexist, there was stuff in the show that didn't, you know, wouldn't fly over today, or it was extremely questionable, that they're going to completely sanitize it, and they're going to make it um, more or less just pushing the message on the people rather than making genuinely good entertainment, rather than telling a genuinely good story. And that is, I would say, where I'm concerned. It's just, you know, I was like, I was concerned when I first heard the show um, be announced and come out that it was going to be hot garbage because the last um, live action adaptation of this franchise was hot garbage as well. So I, I'm not really surprised um, there, but I'll, I'll just leave it um, there and we'll move on into the last topic of the day. And if you're still with me through all my uh, <laughs> winding ramblings, I thank you. And don't forget to comment, like, subscribe, all that good stuff on whatever platform you're watching on. And we're going to move into the last topic. And this is about New York's steady decline into uh, complete insanity. So this happened a couple days ago where, I guess, a couple of migrants um, attacked NYPD police officers. And they got taken in, taken in and released the next day. Something like that. This is a very common thing where a lot of these criminals, they just get out because you have the cashless bail. You have this, you know, society where we have to eliminate the school, the prison pipeline. We have to eliminate the, you know, slave prison system and all, all these sorts of things that say, you know, we have this systemic ra racism that victimizes all the poor minorities. So we can't hold anyone accountable for crimes and that such. And although I, I do think uh, this one was very clear cut about just how bad it was and saying how much of a complete breakdown there is of law and order if you can attack police co uh, police officers, have it recorded, and then just get out the next day. I think Hochul's like, well, you know, let's take these guys and deport them to show that we actually kind of care, or we have to maintain, like, 10, 5 to 10% of a, of a lawful and orderly society, so that way we can keep all the lemmings going into uh, the, the office buildings. Um day to day so we can get the tax income uh those sorts of things so i, I do think it's a extremely intentional disruption of society and they want to have it happen at the correct rate right so uh i we talked about this in hump day la the latest episode of hump day potpourri episode 135 where there are people who are very intentionally destroying society in the way that um stockbrokers will short a stock to make the business crash so they can use the the business's crash to make money on the stock, right? There are people who are doing the same thing with society where they are destroying and degrading society as much as they can so they can extract the value out of society and keep it for themselves. And I definitely think this is part of it. And it's like, well, we want to have, you know, X amount of crime uh, happen in these places at this time and this way. And it has to be... You know, going down in this way, and this was a little bit too far, especially since it was migrants doing it against police officers, and it was recorded, and they were out the next day. It's like, okay, we have to be, like, we have to slow down a little bit, so we'll maybe um, criminalize them. I haven't looked <laughs> too much into it, but regardless of however this is handled, this is a lagging indicator of these policies of being soft on crime, of refusing to have um, any sort of law and order. And also is the state trying to solve these deep-seated cultural issues that state's not equipped to, to handle. 
So New York City is just going to collapse under its own weight. People don't care about each other. It's a city of 8 million people. There's no real sense of tight-knit community there, or it's not nearly enough for it to not be a crime-trash-ridden hellhole that basically no one would want to live in in their right mind, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I think I will leave it there. I don't have much else to say. I could rant on about how shit of a state New York is, how poor of a city New York City is for the rest of my life. So I will save you from that, and I will see you again next week for episode 49 of this podcast, and we're going into the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, or Substack. And be sure to subscribe to my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com, to keep up with Machine to Man and all my other projects.